0: you can teach us much Uh, maybe not all of us have been blessed with great earthly fathers but we've been blessed with you our heavenly father and so i ask that we would learn from you from your word and that we would follow the example set before us from your son who glorified you in life in death and in resurrection lord we love you in your name i pray amen Well, again, dads, let me say happy Father's Day to you. Thank you for endeavoring, even if fatherhood was a surprise at some point, and you thought kids were done, there were no more coming, and you've got another one. Uh, Fatherhood is a tremendous adventure. It's a unique adventure. It's one that if I really look at it, God in his amazing creativity and compassion gave women these skills of motherhood and of love and of compassion that are amazing. And men, sometimes we struggle with things like compassion. Sometimes we struggle with understanding how things affect our children. And sometimes it can be an adventure to figure out what they're thinking when our wives seem to understand everything they're saying and doing and it makes perfect sense. And I am a young dad. So for me to get up today and say, this is what you should do based on my experience would be naive of me because many, if not most of you, have far more fathering experience than I do. And second, it would be naive because it would be about me. And the greatest thing of Father's Day is our ultimate aim. That as fathers, and as any of us, that we seek in every area of our lives to glorify our heavenly Father. And so dads, we have this dual role of fathering our children well by pointing them to God our Father. And that's a privilege and an honor. And it's one that sadly, culturally over time has taken less and less of a role. We see dads being far more busy at work and less present in the home uh, and therefore less interested in what their kids are are doing. And and we can say that this person does this and this person does this. But this morning I want to look at an interesting passage. If you'd open in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4. I'm going to read to you the the verses that come right before that as well just to get an idea. Fathers, you'll see that in a second. But Paul is talking and it's interesting what he does here and I want to make sure we capture this but I'll read the verses first. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. You tell them. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the the earth. And then, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And Paul adds to it in Colossians, and he says this, he says, Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Interestingly, In the Roman culture when this was written, dads, fathers were the ultimate authority. What they said went. That was it. There was no concern or compelling evidence to say love your kids. Tell them what to do and they will do it. That's the rules. End of story. And so for Paul to write where there's a dual relationship here, one of children obeying and honoring their father and mother, but then Paul switching and and saying, fathers, do not exasperate your children, was very unique for that time. And it wasn't something that he took lightly. Uh, And as far as we know, Paul didn't have kids. But one thing we know, Paul was a student of culture and he watched what was going around him. And the Lord had laid on his heart to write these words. Well, surely Paul's not saying, don't ever anger your kids. How is that even possible? Mike, I have a four-year-old. They're mad at me daily because I won't give them their 18th piece of chocolate. Or, Mike, I have a teenager. They're mad at me because I woke up this morning. Or, Mike, I have a university student. They're mad at me because I ask them how they're doing. Or, Mike, I have a young parent, a young father, that, and they have my grandson, and apparently I ask them too often to see my grandchild. There's all these times when unintentionally maybe we've angered our children. But that's not what Paul is getting at here. Paul's looking to something worse. Paul's looking to something deeper. And it's possible, seemingly even more likely with fathers than mothers at times, based on observation. But it's, it's possible for us as fathers to create a disposition of bitterness and of resentment in our children based upon our treatment toward them that's cumulative. What do I mean by that? Simply put, as patient as God has been with us, as we grow to be more like his son Jesus, sadly, we as earthly fathers, we as earthly parents, and we as church families have not always been gracious in our discipline and care of our own children. And in seeking to make sure they do the right thing, we have done things that in their hearts have wounded them, whether it be through our words or through the inconsistency with our actions and our words. And through time, we have embittered them. And Paul is saying, don't do it. Watch out. Yes, he understands we as fathers and we as humans are not perfect. But Paul is laying out a frightening perspective But today I want to say that's not the end of it. Yes, it is possible for us to exasperate and embitter our children. But there's hope. Because as we look at God's word, there's a pretty clear picture of what we can do to protect against that. Will there be times when our children get angry at us? Yes, but it is my prayer that they get angry at us for the right things. That we've stuck to our guns. We've stuck to God's word. And we've shown them that it is possible to obey God even when man says you don't have to. That's different. And so this morning for the next few minutes, I don't want to talk long. But I want us to consider what does it look like to be a dad that seeks to be the kind of dad Paul had in mind. And in the verses before that, Paul told us to honor our father and mother. And as I was trying to consider what do I do with this, I read uh, another sermon and uh, a man said, I want to obey the scripture by honoring my father and I want to tell you about him. I thought that was pretty a good idea. And I'm very aware that some of you out there haven't had the best role models. Christian fathers uh, were not present in your life. Maybe father wasn't present at all. Maybe you didn't have someone to look up to uh, as a spiritual father. So this morning I want to introduce you and I want to honor my father by telling you a little bit about what he taught me over the years. Because the amazing thing about my dad, and I didn't realize it until I was much older, as often is the case, I think, is that the words of scripture flowed out of my dad in every way. In life, literally speaking, he is a pastor, so I heard him speak every Sunday, two times a Sunday. But even on that, more and how he lived, and how he responded, and how he loved, and how he modeled that to myself and my sister and continues to. So you'll hear some stories of my life. But the first thing my dad taught me is where we start. You see, my dad consistently and constantly reminded me, and still does today, that life isn't ultimately about me. Now, as a teenager, the last thing I wanted to hear was that. Because I thought everything should be about me. I wanted everything and I wanted it right now. Correct? We've all had that. But my dad could so lovingly point me back to scriptures like this. That say, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Out of the hand of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And Paul, in talking to the church, goes on to say, whatever you do, whatever you eat and drink, do it all for the glory of God. So as parents, as church family, when we're talking about our lives and how we model life to our children, it has to start by pointing them to the greatness of God. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Do we tell our kids that? Do we let them know how amazed we are that God continues to be at work? My mom and dad used to sit me down and ask me questions, often weekly. Mike, you've heard my mom's question, what's one thing God taught you? But my dad was more subtle. My dad was more along the lines of, what are you learning And I knew what he meant. And I still know what he meant because he still asks it. And I'm 36 years old and he still will call me. And that's one of the questions he'll ask. What are you learning? What he means is what is God teaching you? And how are you letting him shape your life? Because Mike, don't think for a second. Life revolves around you. It revolves around the glory of God. No time was this more true than a very godly mentor here in our own church did it. And you've heard that illustration. And then my dad did it a couple days later. My dad called me while I was in the hospital a couple months ago. And he asked me how I was doing. And I was starting to feel better enough to worry about my church family. And I was worried because I missed you. And that's the holy answer. And the real answer is I wanted to micromanage and make sure everything was being done the right way. And my dad stopped me for a second. And Mike... Whose church is it? God's. I think he's got this. Remember, we do it for him. They'll be fine. They're his children. You see, I'm 36 years old, and my dad still teaches me that everything we do should be for the glory of God. May we be fathers. May may we be a church family that teaches that to our kids, that teaches them the center of the universe is not them. The center of the universe is God Almighty, and it's all His anyways. And that would be a great time for an amen. Wow, that was weak. Do we believe that all of this is the Lord's? Do we believe that our very God that created each one of you uniquely and wonderfully and fearfully created the heavens and the earth, and He calls out and says, bring me glory, it's all mine. That is the God we serve. He meant to create you this way. And he calls us back to himself. And he says, follow the example of Jesus. And what did Jesus pray? That I may glorify my Father in heaven. So we should do the same And let our kids see that we are committed to glorifying them. My dad has taught me time. And again, that very lesson. As he's transitioned. My dad is a tremendously humble man. And I have been amazed by how the Lord has taught me much through him this past year. My dad is in the process of a transitional retirement. That's a new trendy thing. Where you don't retire fully. But you switch roles. And so, my dad, having been the senior pastor of the Dover Alliance Church for 15 years ish or so, uh, felt that it was time to begin the process of retirement. So, they hired on a new senior pastor while my dad stayed on and took the role of an associate. And that could be very difficult. But he humbled himself, and he taught me what a joy it is to serve others and to help the new guy serve the Lord and follow him as he enters into that role. And I thought, wow, he gets it. All he cares about is making sure the Lord is glorified. May we be a church that glorifies the Lord, that has no other gods before him. May our lives be living sacrifices to the Lord. And may our kids see that. What else can we word? Well, when you look at the life of Joshua, Joshua had a big task in front of him, entering the promised land, doing amazing things and following the Lord and keeping people motivated to obey him. And in one moment, he makes a bold statement that as fathers we need to remember. Because we are called to lead our home. Yes, we need our wives and we need our families in that journey. But it's very clear there are times when we are the ones that we should always be the ones living by example and leading our families well. Because God has called us to do just that. And the example given is from the life of Joshua. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, fine. Then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve whether the gods your forefathers served beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I was 18 months old when my dad... Began a journey that changed his life forever The journey had started before that actually But when I was 18 months old My dad sold his home A yellow home in Morgantown, West Virginia That he had saved and worked very hard as an accountant To provide for his new family My sister was 7 years old Or 8 years old at that point And I was just a baby But you see my dad Had been serving at the church Had really discipled him And the pastor looked at him months or years before and said, Rick, I believe God has given you the call to preach and to pastor a church. And I believe if you don't follow that, you're disobeying. And my dad and my mom prayed about that for a long time. You see, my dad was a fairly successful accountant. He had plans laid out that by 40 he would be a millionaire and we would be secure. My dad is 65 and he is in no way, shape or form a millionaire. And you know what? He is perfectly content. He obeyed where the Lord sent him. And on that day when we moved from Morgantown, West Virginia, the home where all of my family had been, I know that my mom and dad prayed, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My dad went back to university to go to Bible college to study. My dad pastored... Numerous churches and my dad led by example seeking to let people know not just that he loved them But much more that God is to be glorified and he loves us so much and he draws us unto himself You see my dad chose on that day to serve the Lord financial gain was less significant to my dad than glorifying God and following where he led And I am so thankful he obeyed God's call on his life. Was it easy? No. I can tell you story after story of how many times I know it was difficult. I can remember times when we weren't sure how we were going to eat that week because funds were tight. But God always provided. And God is always faithful. And even in the most difficult of circumstances, my dad could always say, and I heard him say it over and over, that God planned all this for his good and for his glory and that he'll take care of us. You see, my dad didn't, didn't just know it up here. He lived it out and he taught it to me and to my sister and to his church family. He wasn't afraid to lead us wherever God led. And that meant moving to a church after I'd grown up in one church in a small town of 6,000, moving to a big city of 20,000. And then I moved to Hong Kong. But my dad followed the Lord. And as you look at the scriptures, time and again, Joshua isn't the only one where we see men lead their families wherever God takes them. Is it always the convenient path? No, often it is not. But these men go where God says go. They obeyed the command of the Lord and God has used them throughout Scripture and throughout time. Think of men like Hudson Taylor, Francis Schaeffer, Mueller's. There are stories and stories time and again of godly men. Not perfect. Don't misunderstand. We men are not perfect. But we will follow the Lord. So Paul charges, his, charges fathers not to exasperate their children, but he gives another key as to what we are charged as dads to do and how we can help. First, remembering that everything we do is for the glory of God. Second, that we are to lead the home in pursuing God with all of our might, with all of our being, and with all of our resources. And third, we are to raise children To love the Lord. We can't control it. They have minds of their own and they will make their own choices, but we can create environments and give discipline and give care and point them in how we live and how we discipline and how we care that show them the very person of Jesus Christ and what he has for their lives. You see, Paul tells us bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It requires discipline. I know that's hard sometimes. Your kid at at the little age, especially if it's your first one, they look so cute. You don't want to tell them no. Or as they get older, it becomes hard because it's an argument or it's a battle. But pointing our children toward the right thing is never the wrong thing to do. We have to raise them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That means we teach them That means we allow them to be a part of a church family that will do our best to help you teach them. But remember, moms and dads, the church family only gets your kids for maybe a couple hours a week. You get them a lot longer than that. The church can't always fix your kid, but we can do everything we can to help you come alongside and raise them in the training and instruction of the Lord. Well, how do we do that? Well, as John read a little bit ago, we've got some great examples here from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. When I talk about love, before our kids know we love them, it is my prayer that we know and our kids know that we love the Lord first. Because you know what? There's even a risk that we make idols out of our children, that we make idols out of our family, that we make idols out of our wives and our husbands and we put them before our love for God. But we're told so clearly here, it is so simple, love the Lord your God with most of your heart, right? All of your heart. Thank you, somebody over there. And with all your soul and with all your strength, that's all we have to give. I can't measure more than 110% or 100%. See, I got it wrong. 100% is all. So we give it to the Lord. And as we give it to Him, then we follow His guidance and His instruction and His teaching in how we love our families. And it becomes this wonderfully godly love that we will continue to strive to. What do I mean? Well, the next... Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is this. Then love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. If we teach our kids to love God, if we show them what loving God looks like, in how we respond to difficult situations, in how we respond to great situations, in how we respond to using our gifts and our resources for His glory. We can't help but love other people because we're obeying God. It is simple. He loved us enough to tell us to love our neighbors and show them Him. You see, God calls us to live our lives so that others may see him in us and rejoice. I look forward to November when you get to meet my dad. And hopefully you'll get to see he and my mom in a relaxed light after a long flight. But one thing you'll notice about my dad, he's kind of quiet, which meeting me I know is a surprise. But my dad is, is a rather large introvert, And I think God has a sense of humor because if you know what an introvert is, it means basically not so much of a crowd people person. And my dad was called to preach and my dad was called to shepherd people. (laughs) That means be around people all the time. And so if you want to talk to my dad on a Sunday night, good luck because he's pretty worn out once the people have left. But you know what? For 36 years, I have watched my dad work not from his comfort zone, not from just how God made him, but from how God has shaped him to love people, to be around people, even in difficult situations. I was trying to think of which example could I give, because there are a myriad. And one sticks out because, i got to say, I didn't like doing it. But every Christmas, no matter where we lived, my mom would bake something for our neighbors. Now, in America, you can go a long time without ever talking to your neighbor, let alone having a relationship with them. And that's quite contentedly practiced, especially when we lived in the state of New York where we're not the friendliest people. But every year at Christmas, we would get this together, and it wasn't my mom that led the charge. It was her idea. But it was my dad that would walk up to every doorbell and say, Merry Christmas, God loves you, and we're so thankful you're our neighbor. Have a wonderful Christmas. You know how hard that was for my dad? You know how uncomfortable that made him? But it didn't matter because he loved God more. And in so loving God, every one of our neighbors knew who our family was, which then put more pressure on me to make sure I behaved. (laughs) But more than that, it let them know there was a neighbor in their community that loved God and loved them. And you know what? Over time, we got to invest in those neighbors' lives. We got to be there for families as a spouse was dying of cancer. And they would invite us into their home. Even if they weren't Christians, I can't tell you the number of times my dad and mom got to go pray with families in their hour of need. Why? Because my dad, as much of an introvert as he was, obedience to the Lord was more important to him. And loving his neighbor was more important than the shyness that was inside him. And God has used that and taught me mightily because of his willingness to ring that doorbell. What about us? Will we teach our kids to love our neighbors out of our love for God? It can't go the other way, it always has to start with our love for God. And then move toward our love for our neighbor. But dads, parents, church, we also have to model the life. We have to show them how to grow in Christ. We have to show them that when we make a mistake, we can apologize, we can repent. Because guess what? You're not perfect and your kids already know it. And I wonder if you're willing to say you're sorry to your kid when you've made a mistake. I wonder if we're willing to let our kids know, kids, this is something I'm learning right now or I'm having a hard time with. And even, now, obviously you measure this based on how old they are and their maturity. But even letting them pray with you, inviting them into your spiritual journey, celebrating the miracles and praying in the difficult times, that's part of the Christian life. And we share that with our children. How do I know? Well, look at what was written in Deuteronomy 6. We go back there. These commandments are to be upon your hearts. So first, parents, and specifically this was written for dads first, know the word. Know what God tells us to do. You want to know how to be a parent? Read his word. He says, put them on your heart. Put these commands in your heart. Know what God's word says. Then, impress them on your children. Don't just talk at them. This is impress. That has a different meaning there. means let them see how to understand, how to apply these words. Talk about God. Talk about His words. When? Well, you get the picture. And you've heard us talk about this before. When you sit at home. What was one thing we can thank God for today, kids? What's one thing we need to pray for as a family? What's one thing even as you read the Bible that God showed you today? How can we help you? Is there anything that confuses you? Talking about God all the time. Last night we had the blessed privilege of talking about miracles in our family. And we've had some amazing things happen, little and big. And my two oldest kids, I, I didn't want to share many stories, but it just was so humbling to see them remember times in their life when God had worked. And for Isabella, you've heard the story of how she used to cough terribly, and she was anointed by the under shepherds, the elders of our church, and has not had a coughing fit like that since. That's miraculous. That's the healing of our God. And then my son was having a very special birthday party a couple years later, and as we headed out to Lantau for this birthday party, it looked like the heavens were going to unload, and it had all day. There was no chance this birthday party was going to succeed. Some of you were there. And, and all the way there, the kids were praying, and they prayed in faith. And for exactly two and a half hours, it was the sunniest, clear skies you could see. We said goodbye to the last parent, and whoosh! It rained. And you know what? My son remembers that and still thanks God for giving him a fun birthday party. And we can talk about that. It is a small thing. It is a little thing. But we need to remind our kids, God is our God of the big and the little and everything in between. And we talk about Him when we rise and when we sit. And all the time we give Him credit. When you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Keep his word with you. Let everybody know you love the word of God with you. Carry him with you. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So your neighbors know this house. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This house is his. This flat is his. This body is his. And I will do it all. I will do everything I do for the glory of God. I remember in high school, I really struggled with certain parts of self-esteem. And in some ways, I could be confident, but in others, I was always afraid of what others were saying. And partially that was because, th- there's no easy way to say this, I'd watched what people said about my dad in the church. I knew how Christians could treat one another. And I was a perceptive teenager. And that was hard for me to see. And then it made me begin thinking, what were people saying about me? And I remember one day, I think I was about 15, and my dad was sitting, the other thing of many things that amazed me, my dad would let me come over to his office anytime, no matter how busy he was. And we were sitting in his office. And I said, Dad, it's just, it's hard and it's not fair. And he looked at me and he said, Michael, Michael, you know people say stuff about me all the time. I said, yeah. And he said, no, I don't like it. And no, it's not easy. And he would repeat this to me time and time again and still does. He said, but Mike, am I more concerned with man's approval or with God's approval? He said, if they criticize and there's an ounce of truth in that, I need to learn from that but I better be sure that my actions are pleasing to God and that I am seeking his approval. And that when I know that, I can stand firm knowing I'm following him and my confidence is in him. Why don't you do the same? 20 years later, I still wrestle at times with what people think of me. But my dad loved me enough to teach me in a time of need and pain that it is much more important to seek the approval of God and that people may not always understand why we do what we do, but if we are glorifying God in all of our life, at the end of it, we will hear those wonderful words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. My dad is coming to the end of his ministry career and I have no doubt that God will look upon him and say, well done, Rick. Is he perfect? No, I can list times when he's made mistakes and you can list times when I've made mistakes. But my dad wanted to make sure our family, our church family and anyone he could knew that there is nothing greater than glorifying God by offering all of our life to him and passing that on to our children, to our friends, to our family, to our church and saying, as Paul did, follow me as I follow the example of Christ. Dads, will we invite our families to follow us as we follow the example of Jesus Christ? Yes, we'll make mistakes. Will we repent of those? Absolutely. But will we take the charge? Will we spend time in the word? You know, I'm a morning person. You know, I like to get up early and I can remember as a kid and I leave you with this, that no matter how early I would wake up as a six or seven year old, my dad was downstairs reading the Bible and I remember sitting on his lap and say, dad, why are you reading the Bible so early? And he told me one time, he said, Mike, cause you get up so early and I need to make sure I've spent time with God before I can spend time with you. My dad knew which relationship mattered most and he still does and he is still teaching me. And the most important thing is is that I don't want you to think that we're sitting here trying to glorify my dad. No, we're learning from his example by glorifying our heavenly father. Lord, I thank you for the legacy of men and women that follow you with all of their life. I thank you for the commitment they've made to model by example radical obedience people that sell their homes and give everything for the sake of your glory to go where you lead them, to leave a legacy with their children. I pray that we would be families that are radically committed to obeying you, to bringing glory to your name. I thank you for giving me a father that I can learn from here on earth, that his time and again pointed me back to you. In your name I pray, amen.